Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the final episode of Character Unlocked for 2016, where we're going to ignore everything that goes on and just talk about our favourite and worst games of the year. I'm hosting as always, I'm Andrew Brooker, and joining me is my good buddy, John Miller. How are you, John? Howdy doody. Not too bad. How are you, Mr. Brooker? I am alright, thanks mate. I am looking forward to Christmas, getting some time off of work and some time just sitting in front of the PlayStation for a little while. Wearing your pants, just sitting there. Baby, baby Brooker running around with a new drum kit. Absolutely. It's the only way to travel. Yep. So yeah, so we're going to have a bit of a best of episode, you know, a bit pretentious of us really, considering we're only like eight episodes into our podcast, but it's the last one for the year, so <laughs> we might as well... Oh yeah, it makes sense that it's literally right at the end of the year, so what, between now and actual the end of the year, there's going to be like two games being released and neither of them I've heard of. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll stick to the uh, the tried and tested one that everybody does, our favourites of the year, with no news either. No, it's uh, like, everyone's calmed down because it's the, it's the holidays, everyone's just sitting there around the tree and doing whatever it is that people do at Christmas. So yeah, the only, the only real news I, sp- I suppose really is... Uh, our, well, we're their sister podcast. Does that make them our sister podcast? I don't know. Or our brother podcast. Our brother podcast. Our Bro- weird touchy uncle podcast. Let's go with that one. Weird, weird Uncle Owen and, and the Fail Critics podcast have their annual awards for the best and worst films, etc., etc. Uh, so if you go to failcritics.com on the front page, there is a, a page for you to click onto and vote for your Favourite films, your worst films, your favourite soundtracks, etc, etc. Give it a butchers and, you know, we'll, we will be announcing the winners and losers appropriately on their end of year podcast in, I think, probably about a week, week and a half from now. I don't know. I, it's, I'm not it's, entirely sure. You're on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be on it, but yeah. At the, well, this no, rate, you're probably it. just not going to turn up. You'll forget all about it. I'll turn up and just kind of sleep all the way through it. Just pretend it's not happening around you. <laughs> no, I will, I will not do that. I will be very, very serious and I will treat it with the utmost respect. It's the Foul Critics Awards, damn it. Yeah, it's it's important stuff. People really <laughs> care about what's going on. It's life or death. But that's it. That's our news. So, without further ado, shall we uh, jump into our best and worst of 2016? Yep. Okay, right. So, my first best game of 2016 
is technically a game from 2015. But uh, seeing as I, I was able to... Breaking the damn rules already. Yeah. Hey, it's our fucking podcast. I can do what I want. <laughs> but seeing as it's a game that, you know, prevented me from playing anything else new until, like, March, I thought it was uh, well worth being into the into the, into my games of the year, and that is Rainbow Six Siege. Okay. Yep. So it was actually released mid-December, or early December? At some point in December last year. So it's not like it's... It's, it's a, the attention to detail we're proud of the Character Unlock podcast. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it was the 1st of December it was released. I'm pretty sure it's like the 1st of December. See, while you talk, I'm going to I'm going to look it up. And if it turns out to be November, I'm going to be very loud about it. Okay. like, But anyway, <laughs> at, the, at the start of December last year, Rainbow Six Siege was released. I picked it up because it looked like it was going to be a fun title. I wasn't wrong. It was absolutely outstanding. The, the hitboxes on it are... Perfect, pretty much. You know how in Call of Duty, when you fu- uh, anyone fires a sniper rifle, the bullet goes fucking ten feet to the person's right, and they get a headshot somehow. Yeah. You don't get that in in Siege. If you don't hit them, then you don't hit them. Okay. So it's a game with very little substance. I mean, there's not really a story. There's a couple of single player missions where you do one or two basic objectives, and just to learn some of the characters and some of the perks and how it goes. And there's an achievement attached to it. And there's a co-op against bots type game mode, where you can lone wolf it, if you so wish, okay. uh, where you do a series of objectives, well, one objective rather, which is either claiming a zone, defusing bombs, or rescuing a hostage, or defending a hostage. So preventing the uh, the terrorists from killing it. That's the in the co-op section. But where the game really comes alive is in the multiplayer. And it's, okay. it's five on five multiplayer where it's you pick a class one of multiple counterterrorism units from around the world such as FBI SAS GIGN one of the more recent uh, DLCs was for Spanish uh, Japanese wow that was completely the wrong country uh, Brazilian was before yeah, you that you weren't even a little bit wrong there. no I was very wrong it's, I wanted to say SAT for uh, for the Japanese then ended up saying Spanish uh, Brazilian was- and the U.S. Marines also got a, a run out. So there's FBI and U.S. Marines. And there's also Canadians, I believe. Yep, I'm going to come on to those ones a bit later. But you're playing, essentially, war games for them. So it's uh, claim the area, defuse a bomb, rescue a hostage, both attack and defense. But the cool thing is, is that the classes are limited to the weapons that they're allowed to carry. So the SAS will have L85s or L86s because they're British-made. The, the French... Um, GIGM will have FAMASs because they're French-made. The Americans, M4s, and so on. Okay. Um, but there's also unique tech gear that they have. For instance, there's a character, Thermite, who has thermite-infused breaching charges which can rip rich, rip down steel door frames. So re- if you reinforce a wall, his or the, a ceiling tile that can be broken through normally, you need to have him to take it down. Right. There's also Capcan, on the defending side, who has charges that he can fit to windows or doors, have uh, a laser across, and it's a tripwire, essentially, and blows up as someone runs through. So if you have someone who runs up to a door, knocks one of the, the fr- a couple of the panels out, then jumps through the door, they're going to set the charge off and kill themselves, and usually, if the other team are a group of morons, about four or five of them at the same time, from one explosion. Fair enough. I've had that. <laughs> 
I've had that before. I've actually put down a charge on a door, someone run up, punched a hole in it, jumped through it, big group of them, and I got three kills. Nice. Yep. So, but speaking, but I mentioned earlier the DLC. There's a couple of classes that came with the first one, the Black Ice DLC, that also came with a, a different map, which was the yacht set in, that's uh, frozen in, in the Arctic somewhere, around Canada okay. probably, because they're Canadian CTU. Um, okay. You get... Uh, a defending class called Frost who has bear traps which are very useful because what you do is you have you put the bear trap down you get three of them if you put one down at a window someone dives through the window they land on the bear trap and they're instantly incapacitated nice. and then it's just just walk up and put a single bullet in them to kill them or you leave them there keep an eye on them and when one of their allies comes to pick them up two for one fair enough problem solved but the uh, attacking class for the Canadians is a chap called Buck, who has a skeleton key. So, underbarrel shotgun. The underbarrel shotgun okay. has the highest damage output against objects. So, you run up to a, a wall or a door that you can break down using uh, hitting it or, you know, any other shotgun, weapon fire, grenades. Yeah. It does the most damage to it. So, you run up to one of these door panels that, that can break down two rounds into it and you've made a big enough hole that anyone can jump through it. Very nice. But it also does incredible damage and has fantastic range against enemies. So okay. you use that instead of the, the primary weapon, which is actually, for one of them, a single-shot rifle that's really powerful at range. So you've got your range with a single-shot rifle and you've also got decent damage at very close range because you've got the shotgun underneath. All in all, that's a pretty heavy-duty class right there. And that's the attacking class. So... The thing is, is that because the game is being supported still now, we have Season 2 on its way, which means that there's going to be more DLC, there's going to be more classes, more characters next next year. Yeah. So this game could well be the console CS, because it's just going to keep going, I hope. And I can't wait to find out what's coming next. I have to admit, I played Siege for about 45 minutes. It's not really your thing, though, is it? You're not, not the multiplayer shooter guy. I kind of I don't mind the multiplayer shooting. I even don't mind the CS style gameplay that it's got. It just it didn't click with me. I didn't like it that much, and I wanted to play something else, so I just binned it off. Well, if you get it at any point again, then I'll ab- absolutely happy to play with you again. Cool. Uh, season two turns out to be decent. Maybe I'll pick it up when it goes, or well, if I find it cheap somewhere. It must be cheap somewhere. It's over a year old. Yeah, it's probably cheap already. I think the I think it went. A tenner at some point this year because a lot of my friends picked it up when it went super cheap, and it was like a te- wow. it was like a, it was cheaper to buy the game than it was to buy the season pass at one point this year. Nice. And then I think at another point this year the season pass dropped down to a fiver. Fucking hell! I don't really know what the season pass does. The season because the characters are free, the maps are free, but this, what the season pass does is it gives you access to the characters two weeks early. And you don't have to pay them using the in-game currency. Yeah, maybe. Depends on how next year goes. Depends on how busy next year gets. Well, the second DLC wasn't particularly great, the uh, the Brazilian one, because the maps okay. are favela, and nobody really likes favelas for for, no. for shooting. They're not... There's big open plan on the rooftops, which no one goes on to, because if you're the defending team, you're not going to go outside. And the, therefore the attacking team's got pretty much no advantage at all because as soon as you get into the corridors, the defending team will just bust out their shotguns. And If they know what they're doing, you don't stand a chance against the defending team. It doesn't matter how good you are as an attacker. Fair enough. I 
take your word for it. <laughs> cool. So my first good game, so number three, I suppose. They're in no particular order for me. They're just three games I really liked this year. And number three is uh, Doom. Ooh. Yeah. Now, you didn't go anywhere near Doom, did you? Nope. Anti-Bethesda Brigade right here. Yeah. So, the thing with that, you see, is you've missed out on what is probably one of the most fun shooters I've ever played. Because it... What it does, actually, it, what it does very well is it brings, you know, it brings back the memory of the original Doom games and Quake and all those kind of games that the id were famous for back in the day. It does that with a beautiful, uh, shiny new coat of paint. It's it's a bit long. Like it does wear out its welcome a little bit towards the end, but getting to that end is so much fun. And one of my biggest worries about Doom when it came out was how fast Doom is, and that's not something really that that bodes well for a console player because you just can't play that fast with the controller. It just doesn't work. But it's done a fantastic job, and they've put out this outstanding shooter that is just it's, just... it's so much fun. It's so visceral and so brutal. And, mate, it is nasty. Like, really nasty. <laughs> like, some of the... You, you do glory kills, so you, you get the health down on a on a demon and it starts flashing at you and you run up to it, hit a button and do a glory kill and it can be anything like from you know, ripping its arm off and beating it to death with its own arm. It's outstanding. It's like God of War style run up, beat enemy to death with its own body parts. A little bit, but much, much more brutal. Oh, it's the first person aspect, I guess, would help. Yeah, but it's also, it's, it's got probably the best soundtrack in the game for this year as well uh mainly because it's like all heavy metal but it's just it's absolutely outstanding i just talking about it i want to go back and play it again because it just feels brilliant just picking up this thing and you feel so powerful running around these these massive arenas killing god knows what and everything's from the original doom you know if you've played the original doom you'll recognize everything or doom and doom 2 you'll recognise everything. It's not shit like Doom 3 was. What if it's the you know, film Doom? It's not shit like the film Doom was either. <laughs> but it's got, there's so many weird little things about it, so many great little things about it. Like, the Doom Marine is completely silent. Doom guy doesn't say a word, but he's probably got more character than most of the people you've played as in games this year. Just from his, the way he moves in the way he reacts to stuff. And it's so brilliant. There's, I'll give you an example. Early on in the game, when the the voice of the, I think it's a, a doctor that's tried to open a portal to hell on Mars, when this doctor's trying to explain to you what's going on through this little terminal that you've switched on, you just, Doom Guy doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he doesn't doesn't care about the story. He doesn't care about the, the energy you can get from harnessing the powers of hell. He just takes a terminal, lobs it against the wall to shut it up. It's fantastic. And this is the kind of thing that goes on through the game. Like, you have to disable, like, power cells, and you have to... The, the computer or the game tells you to gently remove them, and he doesn't bother. He just kicks the shit out of them. 
you know, it's just so much fun. You know, I I know you're anti Bethesda, but dude, you have to play this game. It's so good. <laughs> like, I genuinely think it would change your mind about Bethesda games playing Doom. Yeah, that's not bloody likely. Well, <clears throat> I tell you the best thing to do because this, I, I'm almost certain this will change your mind. Is download the demo. It has a proper demo, and it's like the first part of the game. So you do a couple of little kills and you move on. And the first time you uh, like you walk outside and you pick up your shotgun and you cock your shotgun and the music kicks in, you just you can't help but go, fucking yes! <laughs> it's awesome. It's uh, like like I say, just just talking about it. I want to go and restart Doom just so I can go through that and just play it again. It's just outstanding. Everything's there, you know, the blood, the the insane weapons, the BFG is back because, of course, the BFG is back. You know, it brilliant, brilliant game. And you know what? It really did pull it out. It could have been such a bag of poo. It had all the potential to be such a bag of poo, and it turned out to be one of the best games I've played in a long time. Question: Why does it have a season pass? Multiplayer. Okay. So all it's for is for multiplayer. Now, most of the stuff, there's a lot of free stuff with the multiplayer, but there's also a few paid bits. Now, I did buy the full digital version that comes with a season pass. Right. I haven't played it for a little while because I've been busy with other things. The multiplayer is fun. It felt like Unreal Tournament, which, you know, is no surprise. It's that same era of game, but it felt like you were playing Unreal Tournament. It was good fun. Uh doesn't break any new ground. It doesn't do anything big or special, but what it does, it does very well. So you really liked it then? Oh yeah, I fucking loved it. <laughs> like if it could be my all, if all three of my top three games of the year could be Doom, it would be. Okay. Well, they they can't all be Doom, and thank God for that, because <laughs> otherwise this would be incredibly short, and you would just be masturbating in the corner or something. It's the only way I spend any of my time. Well, to each their own. <laughs> Do you want to uh, move us on very quickly then with your first crap one of the year? First crap one of the year. Now, um, this is a game that promised so much and delivered so little. I'm talking Tom Clancy's The Division. <laughs> so, normally, the Tom Clancy name is enough to make it so that a game is released good mm-hmm. you know you're with me on that a, yeah. a pre- name a bad Tom Clancy game right from the ground up you've got what Hawks and I say Hawks 2 well Hawks 2 and this okay so yeah the division it's unworthy of the Tom Clancy name that, that's wow yeah it just doesn't deserve it just from the go. So, it's a game, it's set in a mid-crisis New York City, which has been torn apart by a, a strain of smallpox, which has been unleashed on Black Friday via tainted banknotes. So, um, so it's essentially given a super virus out to the entire population of New York. So they've shut down Manhattan to both coming in and going out. Hundreds of thousands of people have died 
and it's just the few survivors left and none of them can leave there's like next to no power in certain places there's very little heating because it's in the middle of winter and pretty much it's complete completely desolate and there's just animals wandering the streets it's by all means it looks beautiful in in the best way that a snow-coated new york city can look so you're walking along there's times square snow everywhere but there's just this sense of dread around yeah but the game itself has a pretty engaging story as a an active member of the second wave of division agents because the first wave went on to the island and then disappeared that you'll find out more about them that's part of the mission is that you're you're discovering what happened to them and there's a relatively obvious plot twist halfway through the game not even halfway it's like three quarters of the way through the story but all you need is a group of people to batter your way through the groups of enemies and but once you reach the end of the story there isn't a lot else to do there's the exact same mission for side quests to do about 25 times to okay. get unlocks it's there's the the there's they put a lot of effort into the into the dark zone which is the zone in the middle of the map where it's basically dog eat dog you go in there and it's pvp basically it's you versus all of the other division agents there versus the environment at the same time so it's okay. it's a very odd experience because you get you go in you and your group of um, agents there's the, the four three or four of you I can't remember which it's been a while since I've played it traveling around and then you bump into another group of enemies a group of division agents and you you meet each other and what should be a cautious travel between the two of you because you you just walk past each other guns trained on each other because you don't know if the other team's going to start shooting at you and you need to be ready just in case with your power-ups and your guns and, and hope for the best that they don't attack you because you don't know what they're carrying at the same as they don't know what you're carrying so it could be interesting okay that's what it should be like it's not you walk into the dark zone and you get sniped almost immediately by someone from fucking miles away because they've hacked into the game and it took it took Ubisoft or the developer of it too fucking long to punish people who glitched or hacked the game and a lot of the punishments they handed out were far too lenient there was things like uh, in the initial case it was a day ban okay so this is someone who has purposely gone out of their way to ruin the experience for everyone else and also ruin their own experience because a lot of them only started doing it when you message them would say I'm doing it because everyone else is doing it <clears throat> this but was th- everybody else doing it in the the instance that I was in no there was no one else doing it it was just him but apparently he'd got fed up of people doing it to him that he decided to start doing it to other people. <laughs> this is the kind of world we live in where that where that's an acceptable reason to do it. And the, the Ubisoft or the developer, whichever one is in charge, their answer to it is a day ban. Not a permanent ban, I mean, nothing like that, just 24 hours. To be fair, that's how we end up on battlefield maps filled with snipers because people are sick of being sniped, so they snipe themselves. Yeah. But it just ruins the game for everyone. So it was a a toxic community that would boot you 
out of teams just because you had uh, the the arbitrary gear score was too low or something. So, for instance, if your gear score was less than 256, you weren't allowed to play with people. They would just kick you out of it. So that sounds to me like it's a game that looks like it's just a bog-standard third-person shooter, and because of that, people don't know how to play it properly or yeah. aren't learning how to play it properly. Uh, yeah. And then there's the opposite side, which is the people who know it too well, and they spend hours doing the you know spreadsheet and all kinds of oh this is a gun but it's got it's missing this so I'm going to roll it four more times to see if I get something better if not I'm just going to go out and I'm going to get another version of this gun it's just it takes too much effort to be average at the game and fair enough it's just there are better games out there that you can sink more hours into and get more gratification out of doom <laughs> right then <laughs> told you yeah. Doom's the answer to everything. Doom is the answer to all life's problems. <laughs> and Bethesda are a fantastic company and well worth people to spend their money on. Well, it's not like they get a second shot on my, my best of 2016 list. <laughs> Anyways, my first bad one of 2016. And I kind of feel a little shitty for saying this as well. Nah, don't feel shitty. I do. I kind of feel a bit bad because it's Unravel. Have you played Unravel? No. And I've not played any of the other games or any other game similar kind of way of, like, Unravel is. Well, Unravel is on EA Access now. So it's worth having a look. Do you remember when Unravel was revealed at E3 a couple of years ago? Something about balls of yarn, other things like that. That's about it. Yeah. Yarny and all that crap. Yeah, Yarny. So you basically play as this this cat-like thing that's a ball of yarn and you have to go from one end of a uh, level to another without running out of yarn and you're unraveling as you go the problem being the premise is really fun and for about 15 minutes the game is really cool and then suddenly you're putting puzzles that are just utter utter horseshit like it's not a puzzle the puzzle now isn't to figure out the uh, the environment or the level that you're in the puzzle is to figure out what the fucking hell the developer was thinking when he made it. <laughs> All right. Was he and smoking just, too much? I think he may be. Or just not paying attention, just looking at a different monitor. So it's just sitting there on Reddit, one screen, designing yeah. a level on the other screen, and then laughing at cat pictures because cats love yarn. It's just not a particularly good game. It's, I, I mean, it's not very long, and I didn't finish it. I just couldn't be asked. I couldn't be asked fighting with the crappy mechanics and the, you know, suddenly you have to be completely magic to figure out that, you know, he wanted you to push, you know, an apple through half the level so you could use it to float across a little bit of water here. There's no fucking way I was figuring that out. Fuck right off. And I do feel really guilty because the guy that, that revealed it, like, he was really into it and really passionate about it. And I was like, I really wanted to like it as well. I bought it when it came out. I was, you know, I was quite happy. It was only like fifteen quid when it came out. I was quite happy to buy it, but it was just utter rubbish. It looks really pretty. You know, it's got a very nice, you know, very well-made environment. It looks lovely. It just, it's a bit crap. It would be better if it was a screensaver. Uh, okay, that's it. Just it, odd. It's a very, very pretty screensaver. That's all it is. Just a. Guff puzzle game. It it sounds like EA's answer to Rayman, except done really badly. 
kind of, yeah. It's kind of Rayman and Little Big Planet and Tear Away and all of that kind of cool platform puzzler, but shit. I like, really like really Tear Away, but only with when it was on the Vita. I never, I didn't play the PS4 version in the end. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, Unravel is nothing compared to Tear Away. It's not very good at all. So Unravel bad, Little Big Planet good. Pretty much. But yeah, short and sweet and to the point. My Unravel absolute guff. Annoyed I spent money on it, especially when it rolled onto EA Access so damn quick. Yeah. Well, everything goes onto EA Access at some point. Well, yeah, but you know. Six months, eight months, I'm quite happy to spend the money, but it's going to be within a couple of months, and Unravel really was within a couple of months. I feel like I wasted my money. More so with Unravel, because it was crap. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give it a butchers and give it a test and then find out what it's like. But there's so many other games I need to play from EA Access that I just haven't. Like yeah. Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which really should have played at some point. So. Hey, I've still got three Mass Effect games to play, so... Yes, you do. <laughs> in fact, stop recording. I could do the rest of the show on my own. Go play Mass Effect. Yeah, because I definitely that will you know that extra half an hour is the bit I need. Yeah, because <laughs> you'll start that half an hour, and then it'll be tomorrow, and you won't go to work because you'll be too busy playing Mass Effect. Well, to be fair, I I, I started Mass Effect one three weeks ago, and then just haven't been back to it since. Look, three weeks is a is an, a pretty decent first playthrough in time. No, 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 no. <laughs> I started playing it three weeks ago, nonstop once. since then, and you've nearly got to the end of the first mission because that's how long it takes to play it. That's how no. amazing it is. Just sit there in awe, staring at the distance, going, "Ooh, pretty." Just sit there going, "Oh God, these shooting mechanics suck." Well, they did on the first one. <laughs> Good old Unreal Engine. So, what's your uh? Your second good one of the year then, mate. My second good game of the year is a game I've talked about a couple of times before on the podcast, and that is Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Nice. Yeah. Just like Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution back in the day, Mm -hmm. this is very high on my list of games for this year. So although the first one was game of the year for 2013? Yeah, 12 or 13. Yeah, that was my game of the year back then, and this one is probably second place of my games for this year. But that probably says more about the other games that were released this year than it does about this one. Yeah. Because Mankind Divided suffers quite badly from sequel syndrome, I think. Yeah. It's, It's not close to how good the first one was in the Jensen storyline. It's it's a lot less engaging story-wise. It's got a very, you know, comic book-style villain that's just trying to blow up the world of non-augmented people. And because of... just It's just because of the injustice that the orgs are getting because they went insane at the end of the first game, slaughtered hundreds of thousands of people, and now they're being put in prison and, you know, forced to live in a city that's away from natural people. And apparently he's really angsty about that and he's deciding to blow up stuff because he thinks that the the best way to help orcs is to kill lots of other non-orcs to make them fear them more and therefore they can leave the the place where they're being quarantined to out of fear. Yeah, social commentary. 
So it's a, the, the typical political game that it is. And playing as Adam Jensen, you know, the org from the first one, who didn't ask for this, didn't want to be org in the first place. But he's now member of Interpol, and you start the game trying to intercept an arms deal that's a sting so that you can capture a super bad guy. And what actually happens is the, the super bad guy gets killed, the arms deal goes sour, you just try and save yourself, your team, and the the um, the mole, as it were, that's uh, the rat that's working on, on the Interpol side from being killed by a group of guys wearing gold masks. So there's that, and that's the prologue. Now after the prologue, you return to Prague, where the game spends most of its setting. Yeah. And as you get to the train station in Prague, you meet a contact who turns out to be part of a, a pro-org rights group. And from that, you walk through the, the train station and it gets blown up by the overall villain, but you don't know that at this point. And no. this is where the game really suffers because it's at this point that the game takes away the augments that you've got from the beginning, which makes it a very, very carbon copy-based unlock all your fucking upgrades again which all well and good because some of the ones that took a long time to upgrade in the previous iteration are really simple because they've decided that it's more interesting to give you some new extra power ones that require overclocking your system in order to to have all of them but it's a whole the fact that you need to re-unlock things so your invisibility the ability to walk around silently or the ability to on the HUD to see which way the, the your uh, enemies are facing so that you can time your your runs between areas if you're playing stealthily or things like that, which it's annoying that you have to re-unlock them all. And I don't know, it's it it's because of things like that is to why it suffers. Really, realistically, you should have those things, or at least most of them, from the go and then get extra powers one and make it so that you don't really need to use the previous ones anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty standard, though, isn't it? I mean, we're not just talking about for sequels. We're talking about for, for most games. Like prototype done that, didn't it? Both times, Prototype done that. But the advantage yeah. that the Prototype had, especially for Prototype 2, was that it was a different character to unlock the cool stuff. I mean, I, I'm for unlocking cool things by doing specific things, you know, getting your upgrades by getting XP or, in this case, practice kits, you know, and then upgrading your system. That's I'm all for that. What I'm against is the fact that in the sequel I'm having to re-unlock things that I had okay. unlocked from the previous version. So maybe, maybe Prototype was the wrong example, but let's go for God of War. All the God of War games, doesn't matter how powerful you are at the start of it, you lose all of it and then have to earn it all back again. Yeah. It's, just, it's a pretty standard mechanic for... It just forget. I mean, Deus Ex has got a couple of issues. I wouldn't say that was one of them. It, it feels cheap in order to to say that. Oh yeah, you've unlocked this stuff now, but we're going to take away all of your power ups just so that that way you can re unlock them all again. It just in in Deus Ex it felt cheap. I mean, Mass Effect does it to an extent when you uh, play through to the next game that you uh, you lose your power ups because it can't. It didn't. Because of the the change in mechanics between one and two, it couldn't keep all of your upgrades from the previous one. But if you were leveled up enough, 
what it did was it it pre-leveled your character a little bit in Mass Effect 2 to so that you could reapply certain upgrades again from the get-go. But when you yeah. moved from 2 to 3, you didn't have to re-unlock all of those those uh, power-ups again. What it did was it essentially took what you were in 2, set them to, to, a, to a level in 3, and then let you improve on that. Okay. Which, for Deus Ex, it could have done something similar in that you've got maybe the base level of all of the basic powers that you would normally... That most, that if you played Deus Ex 1, you'd have pretty much all the power-ups at the end of it. Your glass yeah. shield cloaking, your silent running, and the ability to see the cone... Uh, of, vis- of vision from the enemies I, having those at the base level and then giving you the option to then unlock more important, uh, more intuitive versions of it so for instance you can sprint while being invisible or you you, you can run silently for longer you've got a more finite um, field of vision for the, co- uh, uh, for the cone that your uh, enemies can see the map's slightly bigger in the HUD or more detailed or something rather than be this is basic. You're just going straight back to the beginning. You've got to re-unlock everything again. Yeah, I mean, I, I do get your point. I think the problem with starting you off with everything you had in the first one it, and then upgrading from there, it, I mean, that makes you severely overpowered at the beginning, let alone, you know, what you'd... Be, I mean, Deus Ex, you're overpowered by the time you get to the end anyway. But to start the, the to start your game that overpowered, I think, would be... It would it would make the, it would make balancing the game almost impossible. Well, the way that Deus Ex does the the balancing of the game is actually very well done, and as as far as I'm concerned, because if you go around and kill everyone, uh, the more people you shoot and kill, the more enemies wear thicker armor, or you get a load of headshots, and then towards the end of the game they start wearing helmets, and then you can't get headshots anymore. So it's things like that that's quite cool. With Deus Ex, the positives I'm going to say about it are that, because it sounds like I'm being very negative about it at this point, considering <laughs> it's one of my one of my top games, is that the level design is fucking beautiful. It's gorgeous. You you're wandering around the uh, the Org City, especially after you've done that that one massive plot point where you've talked down the bloke who is the head of the the Augment militia. Yeah, and you step outside of his office. And you just see the the city in the distance and the sun setting. It's fucking gorgeous. Or when you're in the um, the snow section, that looks fucking beautiful outside as well. And just in general, the whole, just like the design of the games, fucking beautiful. And the story is very thought provoking up for the social commentary the aspect that it has. And and the playstyle that you can go through. And just stealthy way through, never meet anyone, get no alerts whatsoever, and um, it. Or you could just go around and murder literally everyone. And I, I yeah. mean, like, like you can walk into a crime scene that's in the in the back alley around your apartment complex and just lob a grenade in there, kill all of the people in there, and solve the mystery just because in the back alley the 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 murderer is actually in there watching over everything. So you've yeah. just killed them right at the start. <laughs> so problem solved. Have you played any of the single-player DLC for it yet? I haven't yet. Uh, I probably will because I need to. I need to for one, obviously. And I really enjoyed playing it. And I kind of there's a couple of achievements that I've got left on it. So okay. So there's that. I still need to finish my No Alerts playthrough, in fact, because I found out where it was that I'm going wrong. And it's that uh, at one point you've got the option to contact 
uh, either the, your contact from the train station or your boss at Interpol. And apparently, if you contact your boss, it guarantees an alert. Fair enough. So there's that. Because <laughs> like every, every time I've done it, I've always contacted my boss and always got confused as to why I got an alert, despite the fact that I just got through that section in like a quarter of the time it would normally. And the and I've missed all of the enemies because I've taken a shortcut. And yet the, the alert still goes off, and it's actually because there's a just an arbitrary reason in that your escape route just arrives and sets the alarm off. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't remember what I've done. i only done one playthrough for Deus Ex in the end. I haven't finished it yet. God damn it. <laughs> well, you know, we we I finished my first playthrough of that and we started doing this podcast. I had to move on and get other things played. I still played it a couple more times even when the podcast was going. In fact, I think that I it was actually struggle for me to... Yeah, you know what? You probably made the right choice because I just realised, just remembered how much of a struggle it was to play other games and Ooh. talk about other things for the podcast right at the start because I was too busy trying to finish Deus Ex. <laughs> See, it's funny you should say that because my second good game of the year suffers from something very similar. My second good game of the year is more Bethesda for you, my friend. Fuck Bethesda and everyone who looks like the Bethesda. But it's uh, Dishonored 2. Fuck Dishonored 2. Yeah, I know, you, I know you're not a Bethesda or a Dishonored fan. That's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay that you're wrong as long as you realise that you're wrong. It's okay. I'm right and everyone else will realise I'm right. <laughs> but, yeah, Dishonored 2 suffers a little bit from that as well. Because with Dishonored 2, uh, well, with Dishonored 1, you had two ways to play. Similar to Deus Ex, you had, you know, uh, a stealth playthrough and a not a pacifist playthrough, just a what's called high and low chaos in, in Dishonored. Dishonored 2 has something very similar, except you also have two characters to play as as well. So to get the full experience, you're going to need to play the damn thing four times. And Arcane have just released uh, a big free patch for it, which brings New Game Plus to the game in an interesting way. We'll come to that in just a second. So currently I'm playing through as... Uh, well, let's, let's start that again. So Dishonored 2 follows on, I think it's about 10 years after, or maybe 15 years, after Dishonored 1, where Emily, the young girl you rescued at the end of Dishonored 1, is now the Empress. And one of the people you meet in Dishonored 1's DLC uh, actually turns out that she's your aunt, and it, the, the, the throne is actually hers to claim, so she does. And then you make a choice as to who you're going to play as. You can play as Emily, or you can play as... The, character, the hero from the first one, Corvo, and once you've chosen the other one, is then captured, the, your aunt that's taken over. All right. And you then have to go and prove your innocence, prove you're not a, a killer, like you're being set up to look at, you're, you've got to go and rescue the other character that you're not playing as, get the kingdom back and set everything right in the world and all that nice, fun stuff. It's... Similar to Deus Ex, or similar to Mankind Divided, sorry, it does suffer from more of the same. Like Deus Ex, Human Revolution was excellent. Mankind Divided was also excellent, but didn't do that much new. So, it, you know, no matter what you did, it felt like just a sequel and more of the same. Dishonored 2 has that same problem. Dishonored 1 was outstanding. It's easily my favourite game of what I think is 2012. I can't remember. 
practice on the two while it's you get an extra character. And now everybody talks, your characters talk, which I didn't do in the first one. It still just feels like more Dishonored. And that's not a bad thing in the slightest because, you know, I'd, I'd love to carry on playing it. The problem is, because there's so many ways to play and there's so many things to do, I'm only about halfway through all the different ways I can play it, which is, a, you know, it's, it's a bit of a pain. Again, you know, you're trying to find a bit of time to play some games and you've got a game that takes you 12 to 15 hours to each playthrough and you've got to play through it four bloody times. And now they've released this New Game Plus patch, which allows you to play as the other character with all your previously unlocked magic. Uh, isn't the magic different between the two of them? It is. So your powers, depending on who you play as, your powers will change and you can do different things. Okay, because instead of, like, I don't know, blinking from as Corvo, you, you do the weird little repel, grapple, smoke Yeah, you do the weird shit. little thing that looks like the snakes, the snake head things from the darkness. Yeah. Yeah, so Emily has that and Corvo has Blink, but you can now do a new game plus where you've unlocked everything as Corvo. You can take those powers over and use them as Emily, which I think is just outstanding. You know, it's only a slight change, but it's, you know, it's definitely one worth worth sinking my teeth into. I can't wait. And there's it just makes the second playthrough easier. Well, the thing not, is, you're not starting from scratch again. But the thing is, it depends on how you want to play it as well, because... It's not just that you can take your powers over, it's you can take the other person's powers over. And they are two very different sets of powers. Uh, Example of uh, how are they that different? I'm assuming that they have very similar powers. For certain things, anyway. For certain things, yeah. But like like I said, like the Blink, which is just a quick travel thing for Corvo, that's not what you have. That's not what Emily has. Emily has this weird crawly thing that doesn't, doesn't have the flexibility of Blink. It, you know you and you can still be seen when you do it it just it's it's like it's an ever so slight change that doesn't you know it doesn't break the game or it doesn't you know it doesn't unlock whole new boundaries of of gameplay for it but it's a nice little addition that that you wouldn't really think of doing it's basically like taking all of war's weapons and and magic and adding them onto death in darksiders 2 you literally you're just you're retooling another character with an original character's bits. So I'm guessing they've got like similar shaped skill trees and that it, it has a like for like, this is X power, it, it maps to Y power on the other thing. More or less. Yeah. More or less. But yeah, that's, it, and it is, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm halfway through the ways I can play it. You know, I'm saving all my Corvo stuff for when I get a bit of time to sink my teeth into it completely. And I'm going around just absolutely annihilating everybody as Emily, you know, with no magic as well, which is tough. But, you know, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I know you don't like Dishonored, but it is, it's one of the more original games. And it's such a well, well specked out world. Like you can, like there's books everywhere with bits of lore in it. It's, it's so well detailed. Yeah, it's it's literally it's a pleasure to walk around and just read all these entries, which is something I rarely do with games nowadays. I can't be asked. Dishonored, I absolutely do. Definitely worth you know if you haven't played it yet, definitely worth having a look at it. Yeah, well, I gave Dishonored one an hour and a half, two hours when I rented <laughs> it a while ago, 
and I just didn't get along with it. And just be, just because you kept talking about it, because otherwise I would, I'd never would have played it, and I didn't get along with it, and so sent it back. And I probably won't ever play the second one because I never finished the first. So Fair enough. There's there's no point. It it'd be like picking up Mass Effect Two without playing Mass Effect One. So <laughs> in your case, you you were just sort of sitting there going, "What the fuck are these people talking about? Who are the yeah. Reapers? What is this? What's going on?" But that's what a lot of PlayStation players had to do. Yeah. Oh, well. I'll convince you that Bethesda games are worth buying. No, you won't. <laughs> so, come on, what's your, what's your last crap one? My second and last crap one is one that some people might be surprised to hear because this is a game that I've played a lot of and will Mass probably Effect. continue to play a lot of. And no, it's not Mass Effect because it wasn't released this year. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a game I've played a lot and I've tweeted about a fair few number of times, especially in the last couple of months, and that's FIFA 17. Okay. So this is my list being my second worst game this year. And the thing is, is that it's also probably the worst iteration of the FIFA franchise to date. And this is including like the laughable FIFA 09 that was released back in 2008. So. And for people who who aren't like up on the uptake as as FIFA games go, this is the one that charged you to play Ultimate Team. <laughs> Fuck you. So you you had to pay extra, and then you got you unlocked Ultimate Team, which as a staple now is the Ultimate Team's free, and you just pay microtransactions for EA fun bucks or whatever yeah. it is. But this is another game where EA have fluffed their lines, so. Instead of going out of their way and seeing where the problems lie, they've just reskinned it with the new lovely Frostbite engine, yeah. renamed a couple of features that were already in the game, and brought back a couple of ones that they took out for an arbitrary reason in the past, and then brought it back, given it a new name, and then labelled it as a new feature, and made people really care about it. Okay. So, it, it, essentially, it's they, they've seen the problem, and then instead of and then tackling the problem they've given it a new kit bought a new player dangled the championship in front of everyone's faces and then at the end of the season they're essentially settling on fourth place fair enough yep so I haven't tried Pro Evolution Soccer yet but from what I've seen and what I've heard about it I'm going to stick it on my rental list and it's on its way already so from what I've heard about it if this doesn't wake up the behemoth that is the FIFA franchise, then nothing will, and it's just it's going to be dead in the water, and everyone's going to move back to playing Pro Evolution Soccer again, like they did in two thousand and three. <laughs> that it's been that long that, that FIFA's been running the show. Fair enough. That for Pro Evolution Soccer to come out of its way now and and you know release a game that's that's going to be that's already better, and it's I think it's higher on um it's apps I think it's absolutely higher on um on the list of uh, uh, on Metacritic scores and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I see, I don't, I can't compare the two. I don't know either, anything about either of them, but a couple of the people that I listen to when it comes to reviews and things that have said that, that Pez has, has topped FIFA the last couple of years. But FIFA being FIFA, they get all the all the big licensed teams, don't they? Yep. Well, they, they don't have the license for the Italian Serie A League. That belongs to Pez now. Okay. So... Italian 
Italian divisions are licensed to Pez, but they're, they're still there and they still have all the teams, but the license for the name of the, 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 the league itself belongs to Pez and therefore they've got license for all the teams and players on, on Pez. Like iterations before, they've had the license for a couple of teams specifically, but never leagues and stuff. So this is the, the first big jump onto it. And that's just because of how stupidly expensive the licenses are for, for it. And the EA get it for essentially free. So, so no more FIFA for you then? Probably not, unless uh, unless Pez ends up being really shit. And well, all my friends get FIFA games, I, but I don't know if I'll pick it up next year. I say this more or less every year, but I don't think <laughs> I'll get the next one. And then I end up do getting the next one, and I play it a fair amount just because there's nothing usually out for that couple of weeks when FIFA comes out. Yeah. And then it's just an easy game to pick up and play, which is yeah. its only advantage. Yeah, see, I say the same thing about COD every year. Creatures of Habit. Yep. Absolutely. Safe and easy. So, what's your uh, shitty game from the second one? Well, my my world-class bag of shit game for 2016 is one I've actually mentioned previously on another podcast. Uh, and it's... Oh, I don't know who makes it anymore. Crytek UK, THQ, someone, Deep Silver, I don't know, is Homefront the Revolution, is the sequel to the surprisingly awesome Homefront. I know there'll be a few that disagree with me, but I really, I thought Homefront was great. It's the Dan Buster guys, isn't it? It is. That's the one, Dan Buster Studios, who are, I don't know, at some point they were free radical. I actually walked past their studio while I was in Nottingham at Alter Bridge the other couple a couple of weeks ago. It was just it was okay. like right next to the railway station. I was literally walked out the railway station, walked down the street, and I just happened to walk past um, Danbuster Studios on the right. You should sure have said I'd have got you to take a shit on their doorstep. Pretty sure it was Danbuster. It, it, it might have been another studio, but I'm pretty sure I recognised it as Danbusters. There can't be mm. too many fucking developers in in Nottingham. I don't know. I have to look that up now. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, the thing with Homefront Revolution was it was never going to be as good as the first one because it basically, it was just thrown out, broken, because it just they needed to get it out. It was hemorrhaging cash. But it was just so badly broken. It was unbelievably shit. Yeah, the story was all but non-existent. The, the fun from the first one was gone. They, they killed the multiplayer. The multiplayer from the first one was just the standout of that game it, it it felt like Battlefield 2 when you played it you know it was such a great multiplayer experience and they they took it out and replaced it with a bag of shit co-op experience that was no fun to play uh, I, I mentioned this previously uh, you know, whoever made it Dan Busters or whoever they are didn't have enough experience working with the engine they couldn't make the engine do what they wanted it to do and it just it played awful it it looked terrible and it didn't act, you know, it didn't react how it needed to react, like things just disappearing in front of your eyes. You know, entire character models just vanishing as you were about to kill them. And to top it all off, it was this rubbish, open-world, cheap, diet Ubisoft game. <laughs> you know, it was just a map filled with things to go and do break this radio, liberate this area, kill this power. And, oh, fuck off. It got about three or four hours out of me in the end. So I just went, I can't do this anymore. 
it it got um, I really wanted to buy it as well when it came out I was going to buy it just because I, I kind of wanted to support the studio and I was I, like I said I liked the first one and I really wanted to give it a go I was so glad that I didn't give it any of my money I think I would have snapped it in half and cut my own wrist with the broken disc <laughs> Uh, it was fucking ghastly. Yeah, uh, Dan Buster is definitely in Nottingham. I walked past it. Oh, cool. Just looked it up. It's right next to the railway station. So, after making uh, Homefront 2, I'm pretty sure all of them just released it and then went, well, we're all done, and then just walked and stepped in front of a train. Yeah. And I know I fucking would have done. Well, I came close to stepping in front of a train having just played it. So... <laughs> You know, don't get me wrong, I'm sure the guys worked hard on it, and I'm sure they didn't necessarily want it to go out like that. It shouldn't have gone out like that. It, you know, it was fundamentally broken. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem that a lot of games are getting at the moment, and as much as people constantly saying, oh yeah, we didn't have this back in the day, but yes, games are released broken now, and... They do get a lot of patching because of things like that, and especially the multi- online multiplayer element is that they need to get patched for rebalancing issues. But games were released broken back in the day, and when they were broken, that was tough shit. It was when they oh, were broken, they were broken forever. Yeah, it was. It was literally, oh, you can't do this mission if you did this by accident in a previous mission. Oh well, you're gonna have to restart the game from the beginning. Yep. Or you're trying to do a section, say, on the, on the Sega Mega Drive playing Sonic 2, and you go to do a jump, and the platform that's supposed to be there didn't load. So you, yep. it's not there anymore, and therefore you can't land, and it won't ever load ever again. But you can't then... You have to then restart from the beginning, despite the fact you just got... Because there's no save feature back then. No. So it's literally... You've just wasted several hours to get to this point that you can't get any further because the game's broken forever. <laughs> but at the same time, these games are about, what, a hundred times more complicated to make? Because yeah. they're, they're not 16-bit, 8-bit, 32-bit anymore. They're they're full-on, like, ridiculous bits of equipment with teams of people making them. So a small studio in Nottingham filled with, you know, northerners, as you'd call them. You know, it's Nottingham, they are northerners. In, in the middle of fucking nowhere in the, the world. They're, they're going to release a game that's that's going to be a little bit iffy by default, and it's going to be patched. But a game to come out broken that badly? I mean, it's not like it's a Bethesda game, so it's going to come out horrendously broken from the start. But I mean, the thing is, you know, I don't... Okay, I could probably partly blame the guys that made it, but I, defi- I you know, definitely blame like Deep Silver and whoever else it was that was involved in releasing it. And whoever, yeah, because it's almost always the publisher's decision to get these games out in time for a release date that they decide on. You know, we we saw this a couple of years ago with Assassin's Creed Unity. You know, we've, we've seen it time and time again, and I don't pretend to, to know how complicated it is to make a video game. I don't pretend to, to be able to make one better than the guys that threw out Homefront the Revolution. But, I mean, it, it's no different to in my job. If I'd done my job and... You know, I went home at the end of the day and things were still that badly broken. I'd be fucking ashamed of myself. And whether or not it's their fault, the guys from Dambusters should be hanging their heads in shame at the revolution. It was just an awful, awful piece of shit that needs to be forgotten about quickly. 
Well, that's the thing with it's. It is one hundred percent the publisher for for not. But they ha- they set a release date and they have a release date in mind, and the developers supposed to work to that. So if the game's not working by the time the release date comes around, yes, it's definitely on the dev. But sometimes you just can't hit that release date, and you need a bit of leeway from the publisher. But I understand the publisher's side of it. They don't want to give leeway because as soon as they go, oh, it's all right, we'll give you an extra. I don't know. We'll push it back two months. In the certain some cases, there's um, um, there's a game that's got some DLC coming out. Uh, the division, actually, yeah. funnily enough, has some DLC coming out. It was supposed to have all of its DLC released by the end of this year. The second, the last two has one's been pushed back to the last month, I think, and there's one for early next year because they pushed some DLC back. So yeah, sometimes the publisher does go okay we realise that it's going to be tough for you to release this on time, so we'll knock the release date back a couple of months. But then, what, they release knock their release date back a couple of months? For certain studios, big publishers, that that means that, say, Assassin's Creed gets knocked back two months. Well, then it's in Watchdog territory. So Watchdog needs to get pushed back two months. Well, then that's in Far Cry territory. So we need to knock Far Cry back. Well, that's back in Assassin's Creed territory. And it's just an yeah. endless cycle of we need to knock a game back. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely see your point, but um, you know, the, the thing with with Homefront is, you know, this, it's the back end of of the THQ meltdown a couple of years ago. They found themselves with this this IP that they don't know what to do with. They're halfway through having the game made, and developers are falling over. You know, it's. I mean, it wasn't quite in development hell, but it was definitely, you know, it was in a, a hellish place to be developed. The guys, you know, at Free Radical slash Crytek slash Dambuster slash whatever the fuck else they were, uh, they just... I mean, the studio itself was going through some pretty turbulent times. And Deep Silver, I know what Deep Silver have done. It's Business 101. Before they lose any more money, they throw it out and try to get, you know, try to cut their losses a little bit. Yeah. That's fine. That's what you do in business. But, you know, me as a customer, and actually it, it... it sullies their name a little bit with me, which is a shame because, you know, Deep Silver got, you know, they, they, they've got the Saints Row uh, IP. You know, they're making Agents of Mayhem next year or the year after, whenever Agents of Mayhem is coming out, which I really, really want to love, and it looks awesome. But at the same time, you know, it's possible they've got another Metro game coming out at some point. Great. But now I'm dubious, you know, I... I I don't necessarily trust Deep Silver as a publisher. Yeah, THQ's um, going belly up really fucked a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And I feel really badly for the people who worked for them and the developers who then got shipped from from THQ to whichever studio decided to pick them up based on the IP they were carrying. Yep. So in some circumstances, the guys who worked on, on the Darksiders games... It, it took them a long time to find a home because Darksiders 2 had just been released. So 3, if they were going to make one, was not only was it an expensive IP, but it also needs to uh, expensive to get the first game out of it. Whereas yep. with Homefront, that was, what, halfway through? Nearly three quarters of the way through development when THQ went belly up? Yeah, something like that. And then Deep Silver came out and said, okay, we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll buy this IP along with a couple of others. And then they realise that we need to get whatever money we can out of this one because it's burning money right now because it's 
it, it was an expensive IP to start with and the game's not finished. So yeah. we need to get it out and quick. And if we end up losing another publisher, another big publisher, like THQ size or bigger, then it it's going to cause havoc for the world of video gamers. Oh, yeah. I don't think Deep Silver will go anywhere anytime soon. No, they've, got pl- they've got plenty of money and they've got plenty of games in the pipeline. Well, THQ had plenty of money and plenty of games. They had a lot of annual releases, but they just stopped selling. So it's... Yeah, THQ spent a lot of money on shit, though. This is the problem with THQ, is they didn't have control over their funds. Yeah, they did throw out a lot of stuff that shouldn't have gone out, and it's a reason to why they lost. They they they, they burnt money yeah. that, they, that they didn't have, and then a lot of their IPs and franchises then ended up going really cheap just to balance the books. I mean... Like they're the biggest money spinner in in WWE went to 2K, and now yeah. 2K have got another annual title under their franchise that's gonna that's that's actually gonna get them a hell of a lot of money, yeah. as opposed to some of their other annual franchises which are aren't really get aren't really selling anymore because they're I think what was it it was NBA 2K was always the better one over the EA title, yep. Yeah. But that's not the case really anymore. It it could be a fun one to watch because. What, 2K are part of Take-Two? Yeah, something like that. And so are Rockstar, aren't they? Yes, I believe so. So that could be an interesting one to watch because, well, Rockstar put out a game every, what, three years? Yeah, see, they've got... Is it next year? They've got Red Dead 2 coming? Yep. Red Dead 2 next year and then, what, GTA 6 a couple of years after. Well, yeah, assuming they do a GTA 6. Yeah, they'll do a fucking GTA 6. Yeah. Be interesting to see where they go because I'm getting fed up of the same fucking areas. I'd never finish GTA 5. <laughs> it's all well and good putting bigger maps out, but if you're going to put a bigger map out, at least put stuff in the fucking map. Yep. Fucking. All that fucking northern section just wasted for nothing. Just <laughs> like this country. Yep. Anyways, back back on track. Back on track. What have I got? Uh, yeah, home, front, home front sucked. What's your uh, last good one? My last good one. It's a, it's a tough call, actually. So it, it, was the, it was a choice. It was a coin flip, basically, between this and Battlefield 1. Okay. So this title I'm going for is actually Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Cool. So it was a it was a coin flip really because I liked both but for different reasons and I couldn't have both. So naturally I went for and the coin flip one and it was Infinite Warfare that gave that was the good one. So this one is entirely based on the fact that I loved the story. Yeah. Um the characters were brilliant. What's his name from Supergirl? David Harewood. David Harewood? Yeah. Yeah. As he was fantastic as a character, and the robot buddy Ethan was awesome. Ethan was awesome. Yeah, it's like he's probably the coolest robo buddy in a video game like ever. That's <laughs> so like I, I honestly, it took me. I, I can't think of a cooler robo buddy in any of the games that I've played ever. That was that was better than Ethan. Okay. And I'm I'm, I'm actually including Portal 2's whatever his name is, Weedley. Yeah. He can suck a dick. Ethan's way better. <laughs> like I, the, I was a big fan of Ethan. It's like the only bad part of the story, character-wise, was fucking Jon Snow and his wooden acting. But let's just ignore that. Yeah. 
But the story that was short, obviously, because it's a Call of Duty game, so it's like six to eight hours long. Yeah. But just like all of the other ones, it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside when you when you do the right things, and you you know, and you do good stuff. So you, you get that. But when you when you lose your allies, some of them to the the self sacrifices that they put themselves under, it's like you feel just so cold and empty and it's just the way that it affects you emotionally when it's just a video game because you don't want to see these characters die but you can't stop it and it's it's happening right in front of your face yeah. it's you i know you shouldn't get attached to to characters in any kind of way but you just can't help yourself sometimes and with Call of Duty, it happens in in almost every iteration of of it. You get attached to a character, and then and then they kill him off. Yep. And it's just it makes you want to stop playing it for a little bit. <laughs> but so, I never touched the multiplayer apart from EGX for Infinite Warfare, and I probably won't ever. Which is what made it a coin flip between this and Battlefield, because with Battlefield, I'll pick up and I'll play the multiplayer a fair amount, and Yes, I finished the story on Battlefield. It wasn't particularly great, and it's like, take it or leave it. It didn't need to be in there at all. Fair so, enough. Apart from that prologue mission and a little bit of the mission where you're in the planes, it was just a load of horse shit, the story in that one. Just not, <laughs> just not worth playing at all. So that's why the multiplayer for Battlefield wins and the single player to Call of Duty. So if you could like mix the two together so I could have the COD story of the Battlefield multiplayer, you know, that that, that would be game of the year territory. Cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I didn't get to play much Battlefield 1. I still haven't gotten around to, to playing it properly yet. But no, I, I mean, I absolutely, I really enjoyed Infinite Warfare. I had no issues with it at all. But like we said, when we done our, our Call of Duty special a few weeks ago, I didn't spend much time with the multiplayer. I, I can't do twitchy multiplayer anymore. I'm too fucking old for that. But, <laughs> old man Brooks. <laughs> absolutely. But the story, I really enjoyed. You know, I, I got to the end. I didn't feel cheated by how short it was. I didn't feel annoyed at it being crap like I did with previous iterations of, of Call of Duty. I, I rather enjoyed Infinite Warfare. Yeah, I tried to avoid going for spoilers in the story because I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the fact that some of them died. And I'm very sad about that. It's, uh, I mean, is it is it cheap and tacky to kill them? Is it cheap and tacky to not kill them? You, I mean, you can't win, especially with Call of Duty. And the thing with COD is it it doesn't do anything original, so they can just do whatever they like. Oh, yeah, they can do whatever they want. But I just like how this one ended, as opposed to yeah. obvious potential sequel, like so many other Call of Duty games have done. Especially like the last one that Inf- Infinity Ward did, which was like the the ghosts' obvious sequel ending, and then the ghosts was shit. Yeah, but that Although, was the thing we we mentioned before, though, wasn't it? Yeah, they they made ghosts with the idea of having a sequel, and then it turned out to be gash, so they weren't allowed to do a sequel. Well, so I like it's the the kind of the kind of cool thing about uh, this one is that because it has an actual ending, uh, therefore. It's a it's a really fun game, but it's it hasn't sold very well, which it's terrible. Nah, cods cods on its last legs. Yeah, there's there's no two ways about that. Cods on its last legs. But that's people buy Call of Duty game for multiplayer and zombies. Yeah, they don't play it for the single player anymore, which is terrible. So 
it suffering badly because people don't aren't interested in the in the single player, and they're not they weren't interested in the multiplayer for this one because it wasn't it wasn't very good. But the fact that they packaged it with Modern Warfare and it still sold quite poorly, and I'm pretty sure Modern Warfare actually has more more hits per day on the multiplayer than the Infinite Warfare does. And Infinite Warfare has double XP pretty much every weekend. Fair enough. There we go. That says a lot for the the way that the people want to play these games anymore. It's a shame, but hopefully it'll actually convince someone to, you know, innovate a little bit, maybe. So, what's your final game of goodness? I mean, you want to talk about innovating and, you know, and games doing new things, and then I go with this one, which does neither of those at all. Madden. Exactly. Mass Effect. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> now, uh, my my final great game of this year was and wasn't a surprise for me. Uh, I was almost certain I was going to enjoy it because of what it is. But at the same time, I kind of, I was concerned that I was going to be maybe suffering a bit of burnout on it. And it's Gears of War 4. Ooh. <laughs> you still not gotten around to playing Gears 4, have you? No, it's it's on my list of, of rental titles now. Yeah. It it does uh it does suffer a little bit again from being just more of the same, but it's it's Gears of War, man. More of the same Gears of War is absolutely one hundred percent okay with me. I think I we... still haven't finished Gears of War one, let alone two and three. <laughs> Well, you know, get it installed and get and, and get it ready. I will happily join you and we'll finish it together. Well, I so. have Gears of War 1, 2 and 3 just sitting on my Xbox downloaded because I I have the the whatever collection of, of it or something. I don't yeah. know. Ultimate it, Gears of War, Gears of Warness. Yeah, see, I bought Gears of War Ultimate Edition, which then got me all four of the original Gears of War games as free downloads on backwards compatibility. Yeah, that, that's the one. That's what I've got. I got them again like then when I bought quid. Gears 4. Like, I bought Gears 4 and got another uh, a code in the box for all four Gears games. So I was like, okay. So I knew somebody that wanted those, so I, I sent them on. And then about three weeks later, Microsoft emailed me with my codes for Gears of War 1, to, or 1 2, 3 in Judgment. I was like, how many fucking times do they want me to play these Poxy games. Like they're just trying to make people play them because they love Gears of War and they're just they want everyone to have it as many times yep. as humanly possible. It's literally so what it is. You've got and the ultimate Gears collection of Ultimate War. So, but I mean, if you add it all up, I've I've got like including the Ultimate Edition, I've been handed four copies of Gears of War One. I only need one. <laughs> yeah. I have but one console. Think about how much money people spent on these games the first time round. So it's like. For Gears One, Two, Three, and Judgment, that's like a hundred and you know, hundred and fifteen pounds worth of worth of game, and they've yep. sent it to you like four times for free. Yep. All they had to do was wait a couple of years, like what I've done, and never have, having p- paid for a copy of Gears, <laughs> I've now got everything for free. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Gears Four, it's okay. It, it erases the awfulness that was Gears Judgment. And it it continues the story from the end of three, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. You play as 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 Marcus Phoenix's son, <clears throat> who's a pretty crappy one dimensional character. To be fair, uh, his sidekick. He, he's are much a one dimensional character in a world of one dimensional characters. 
Well, no, but he's a crap one-dimensional character. With everybody else, I, quite, I kind of enjoyed, but he annoyed me a little bit. But, and this is where I think Gears shows its... Gears shows in the same time what it's great at and actually what its biggest problem is. It's great when you're playing as Marcus Phoenix. And its biggest problem is that it tried to take Marcus Phoenix away from you. You know, we had this with Judgment and we had this at the beginning of, of 4. Without Marcus Phoenix, it just doesn't feel like Gears. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. It's light-hearted, it's fun, it's meaty people shooting, you know, tons and tons and tons of monsters. It's Gears monsters. of War. It's, you know, you don't, it's, no other explanation is required. It's Gears of War and it's a shitload of fun. The multiplayer is still fun. You know, it's Gears of War multiplayer. It's it's just an outstanding game. It's the Coalition's first go at Gears of War, so more of the same was pretty much to be expected. Hopefully, with the almost guaranteed Gears of War 5, we'll get something a little bit new and innovative, but hopefully I'll get to play as Marcus Phoenix as well, because JD's a bit of a end. But yeah, that's... that's. Also, Marcus Phoenix survives to the end then. Yes. So, so all those adverts that I assumed was leading up to his death, you know, and it's it spoiling the fact that he was Marcus's son, you know. <laughs> no, uh, Marcus, you can't kill Marcus off. I can. <laughs> I'm purposely going to go out of my way and make sure that he dies in every single call, uh, Gears of War game that I play. <laughs> Just, in fact, I, I may go out of my way and learn how to become a game developer and then reskin Gears of War 3 so it's Marcus in the truck instead of Dom. Just seems like a lot of effort to get rid of a guy that you don't care that much about. <laughs> <laughs> I just I think that that'd be hilarious just to replace Dom for Marcus in that truck. Well, you know, everybody's got to have a hobby, I suppose. Uh, my one is hating both Bethesda and Marcus Phoenix. Jesus, that's like all the good things in video games. <laughs> all the bad things in video games. You're all the bad things in video games. All right, then. <laughs> I was going to make a your mum joke, but decided I'm too adult for that. <laughs> no, you're not. Shut up. <laughs> People don't need to know these things. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's where I that's where I finish my, my list off Gears of War 4. It's awesome. I think that only leaves us with one more game, really, doesn't it? And, and yeah. this, was, this was through us talking... Like last week and week before trying to figure out what we were going to do for the podcast and it turned out that we both had like a top game of the year which wasn't just like both of our top games of the year but a complete surprise that it was going to be this high on the list as well so so we decided to to have kind of an all-round game of the year as well yeah it's a, a game that when we were both just sort of spitballing our ideas of what we were going to have as our, our number one games for this year, you know, and this one happened to fall on the list highly for both of us at the same time. It was, we don't usually agree on that many things, so the fact that we both <laughs> managed to name only one game. Yeah. It's like, we, we've played essentially all of the same games over the year. You've lowered yourself and played some Bethesda games, and I've lowered myself and, and played all of the EA Sports titles, obviously. Yeah. So the fact that there's a game out there that is none of those things and and to to mean this much to us that we've both said it is as high up on our list of, of our games to, to make it, considering which game it is, obviously. 
Well, I think this is the thing about it, though, isn't it? So we, because we've talked about this game a couple of times, we've gone, well, this this game shouldn't have been on anyone's top of the year. And for, you know, with that time of year, there's a couple of people that are starting to put their lists together. And and this game's appeared on it, on a, you know, on a couple of people's lists. Do you want to uh, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, this is going to branch off nicely from my previous game when I, I spoke fondly of the, the Infinite Warfare storyline. And and that's that Titanfall 2 has a story that's better than that. Yes, it does. And although the fundamentals is literally walk from point A to point B, defeat the boss, pick up a class upgrade for your Titan, and use that to then beat the next boss. But overall, it's just... It's it's a great way of of meeting these really interesting characters that were in the first game. And if you played the the story of the first game, it actually flowed really nicely, and you got to, to meet the, the great character, which was Blisk, who was the... Uh, one of the commanders of the IMC at the time, and then at the end of the first one, with the destruction of Demeter, he's then essentially kicked out of the IMC, and he sets up his own um, set of uh, his own private militia of the Apex Predators. So yeah. it's him and his friendies are the are the bosses, and they all have different class titans, and they are what make the game great the interaction that you have with them over the radio based on the on you walking around the areas is pretty cool yeah no i i i was a big fan of, of titanfall 2 i i kind of i rented it just to give it a butcher's to see if it was going to be any good and it you know within within about half an hour of of the story starting it turned out that this was going to be something pretty special and by the time you got to the end it had it had done so many things that I wasn't expecting because, uh, and we said this previously, it was it would have been so easy for Respawn to just chuck in a six-hour corridor shooter and leave it at that just to say that they'd done it. But it turned out they've they've built one of the best shooter campaign, or probably the best shooter campaign of the year, the, one of the best shooter campaigns in the last couple of years. And it was so varied and so interesting and it done something different with every mission. And have you finished it now? You finished the... Yeah, I, I finished it now. Is it the last hour, hour and a half, is some of the most spectacular fun I think I've ever had with the finale to a video game. Yeah. You know, when you get your, your auto pistol from the first one and you you run through and just blow everything away in this one long set piece it's just so much fun it's i a bit like when we were talking about doom earlier i just i want to play it again it was awesome you know a couple of missions that do something do really really different things that they didn't have to do the actual you know genuine puzzle innovation in a first person shooter that is that you know that came about because the guys that made COD got fired from Activision. Yeah. Yeah, there was the, the, the time mission where you're doing the, the flicking backwards and forwards in between the two set periods of time where the enemies react to your location 
really interestingly because they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. At one point, they're talking about how that, that you're a cloaked, so they're just really confused as to how your 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 cloak is that impressive when actually it's not a cloak. It's actually you flicking through time, obviously. Yeah. But the way that you can you can act upon the world based on based on what you're doing. So you're you're doing something in the past and then it changes the present. It's fucking brilliant. And it's like you walk into an area and the door's closed. So you travel back in time, open the door in the past, and then you travel back to the present and it's open in the present. Yeah. I think that's that's brilliant. And it's like uh you're running around doing all the, the cool wall running stuff and you're running along and you can't touch the ground in the present because the floor's not there. But at the same time, you can't run along the walls because in the past because they've got laser grids on them. Yeah. So you're doing a wall run in the present and you have to jump across the gap on the floor, travel back in time and then land and then jump back again into the present at the same time all at once. Yeah. It's just that bit right there having to to balance flicking through time doing the wall running uh jumping off of stuff and killing enemies all at once like two different types of enemies whether it's the the robots and humans or the the weird fucking animals that take a an entire magazine of r201 ammo yeah fucking brilliant <laughs> combined with the mission where you're on the um you're you're traveling through the forest on the planet um, on the on the back of the ships, the giant spaceships. Yep. Where you're trying to batter your way through uh, an IMC dreadnought after BT's thrown you onto it. It's it's just I love that mission and the the, the finale to that mission where you take out the North Star uh, class Titan on the the bow of the ship was just brilliant because that that battle right there was fucking hard. It was yes, the, it was. He was probably the most difficult one to kill because he was almost impossible to hit with the class that you have to yep. start with. So if you're if you're good at what you're doing, you can do it. But if you don't like playing with that class, then you're pretty much fucked. Yep. You know when I said earlier that Battlefield 1 multiplayer and Call of Duty's single player? Yeah. Titanfall is probably the closest we'll get to that because Titanfall's single player was outstanding and the multiplayer is spectacular. Yep. And I really, really, really want you to get it back so that we can play the multiplayer together. <laughs> yeah, it'd be probably maybe over Christmas, if not probably the new year. Well, the way that it's selling, which is a fucking travesty, it'll be on EA Access not too long. Yes, yeah, so this is the other one. I quite like the idea of having it installed digitally so I can just flick it on whenever I fancy a quick multiplayer game. But it's not going cheap digital at the moment, so... It seems to be that all of the, the, the businesses that have bought their disc copies have realised they're not selling because EA are bastards and released it at the wrong time of the year. Yep. So they're all selling their disc versions proper cheap because they have to, because they have to get rid of the stock. Yep. So it, it's it's mostly their fault for buying so many copies, but there's no this game is way better than the, the few sales that it's managed. And it's... It's disgusting what EA did to to make to release it the in the weeks between COD and Battlefield because so few people picked it up and I very very nearly didn't pick it up and if it wasn't for the fact that how how much I loved Titanfall one I probably would never have picked up Titanfall two and 
I'm so happy that I did. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that it got left, literally left out to die by EA, which it, it really sucks. I really would have liked to have seen it do well, but I kind of hope that with its with its price drop, it turns into one of those games that like everybody gets for Christmas, and suddenly it's like you know the big sleeper hit of of 2016. What was that other game that had a severe price drop not long after release because it wasn't selling very well and then word of mouth happened and it was sold based entirely on word of mouth? It's happened a few times in the past, but uh, Human Revolution had that. Yeah, because it wasn't a game that was particularly... People didn't look into it, they they weren't interested and then word of mouth happened and it's like this monster's come out of, out of nowhere. And you know what? If Titanfall 2 gets that treatment where... Us saying how good it is, the the fact that it's picked up awards, it's like I think at the the Game Critic Awards it got best online multiplayer. Yeah, it beat Overwatch. Something beat Overwatch for online multiplayer. <laughs> it's got to be doing something right. That if that's that a group of people have decided that this game is better than than fucking Overwatch for online multiplayer. The the game that's cleaned up every other award. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, the multiplayer it's fucking outstanding. And yeah, definitely will be one to put into the collection at some point. Now I've, you know, well, once I've tidied up some of my fucking backlog, of which I now have a massive one at the moment. Yeah, you, you don't have to fucking tell me twice. I've, <laughs> my um, my uh, four terabyte hard drive, sixty six percent full now of games. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like I was never expecting to get that, and I actually looked through it recently, and I was like, I really need to start deleting games that I'm just not going to play, and I'm looking at it going. There's a lot of games on here that I've not played yet. Yeah. So I can't delete them because then I won't re-download them. <laughs> and it's not like I've I've not deleted games because my ready-to-install list is over 70 items now. And th- so it's just games that I've stopped playing and have since deleted are now sitting in ready-to-install. It's like 70-plus items now. Jesus. No, yeah. There ain't enough hours in the feckin' day. Well, was, um, if I was to put an hour into every game that I own every day. Well, not every game at once, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Then I'd, it would probably take me like 22 years just to, to catch up on on the games that I've got at the moment, not including the new games that are going to come out between now and then. Yeah. So it's what, I'm going to be retired and, you know, old man in his hospital bed still playing that, 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 last, that last game that I bought from 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all in that same boat. It's just, there's so many good games coming out, so thick and fast. Yeah. And and then then we get those dry spells at the start of the year, so between now and March, when nothing comes out, I'm still going to be sitting there with FIFA on or something, because yeah. it's quick and easy, and I don't feel like playing anything, because it's what, I've got home from work, I've, you know, been out, done whatever I need to do, had a shower, eaten dinner, it's now half eight, nine o'clock, I've got a couple of hours to kill, FIFA goes on, as opposed to, oh, I've got a, a, a fairly decent couple of hours. Like, if I had six hours or so, then yes, I'd absolutely stick a game on that I could play a couple of hours worth of. Yeah. If I've only got like half an hour to an hour, then FIFA, because it will, or Titanfall, because it's what, three matches. It's not yeah. difficult to, it's not difficult to play through that. It's short, sweet, it and it doesn't require a lot of effort. No. Which for, for Titanfall especially, from what I've discovered, 
There's like first couple of games, and I'm already usually first or top three on on the leaderboard at the end of the game. Yeah, and I'm I'm calling in my Titan four or five times. It's pretty in, good in going. a match. So should we? Uh, I'll tell you what. Actually, before we before we move on to a, a quick chat about what we're looking forward to playing next year, should we have a look at the because we had a few responses on the social medias. Yeah, we we had a few responses. Most of the regulars, a couple of couple of extra ones. Did you uh, did you want to have a rest through and and give us a few few of the responses yep. we got? Let's, uh, so on the Facebooks, we got uh, a lovely response from from our, our good buddy Lee, who uh, his favourites are in no particular order: Abzu, which is apparently a great game, looks great, sounds great. That's the underwater thing, isn't it? I had no fucking idea. Yeah. Never heard of it before right now. I quite fancy Abzu. Uh, he also goes for Recore, which is a good new IP. Fun, not too serious. Which okay. apparently has some absolutely outstanding um, platforming. I've watched I watched a couple of videos of, uh, of some, some people doing some of the later missions where there's very little ground to stand on, but you still need to platform across using the, uh, the little robots to your, to your advantage. Cool. And Forza Horizon 3, he said, was a, a favourite of his for this year. Which, mm-hmm. he's not a big racing fan, which... So, uh, you know, what? for him to mention that's uh, quite imp- impressive to me. Okay, yeah. I, I, we spoke about Forza Horizon previously, didn't we? And yeah. I, I wasn't overly enthused, really. And Burnout Paradise is now on backwards compatibility, so I don't need Forza Horizon 3 anymore. Yeah, Forza Horizon 3 was good, but it wasn't great. And after maybe an hour to two hours, it's it lost a lot of its interest because, as I'll state with every single racing game, it's only as good as your opponents. And for me, the AI is never good enough for me to stay interested. No. It just doesn't happen. But Lee also has mentioned uh, a dude from work of his called Chris who says Total War Warhammer oh god that's a a franchise I I haven't gone anywhere near for quite some time I wasn't even aware that there was a Total War Warhammer game from this year I thought the last one they did was Space Marines but that was was a long time ago no Total War is a a franchise I like I I haven't played one for a while I can't imagine me ever picking up a Warhammer branded Total War game there's a Warhammer game Coming out next year, early, I think. Okay. I think I saw. Uh, I think there's another Total War game coming out early next year as well. But I don't, I don't care enough about Total War games, and I don't care enough about Warhammer games to really know <laughs> what's going on. Fair enough. So I will then swiftly move on to as uh, Facebook's fucked up. Go for the Twitter twitters. Okay. And again, our buddy Lee, who says that the worst game that he's played was a game that I mentioned earlier, which is The Division, which, as someone like Lee, this is just me extrapolating from him mentioning The Division, who loves the social aspect of games, yeah, and loved Destiny, or at the very least loved playing with me on Destiny, and a couple of our Destiny buddies that we made over time, The Division was very, very disappointing for him, me, and, well, a lot of people who, who tried. And... You know what? I think Destiny uh, Division's biggest flaw was that it was released at a time when me, Lee, and a load of others were really big Destiny fans. 
we played the division thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be like third person destiny in a modern environment. And it ended up being really shit compared. Fair enough. That was its biggest fault. So. Well, at least you're not all on your own in your hatred of uh, the division. No, I don't think, I don't think I was, I didn't think I was ever going to be on my own, but I'm glad that Lee mentioned it because it doesn't make me seem like such an arsehole anymore. Now we <laughs> could be arseholes together. So also on Twitter, glorious leader, Owen, uh, he mentioned Pokemon Sun and Moon, which apparently uh, breaks away from some of the tropes of previous incarnations. Don't Does that mean know. it's actually good? I don't know. I've I've not played it. I don't know enough about it. All I know is that they, they, they changed the whole aspect of, I think, gym battling. I think they've got rid of that for some reason. I don't know why, and I don't know what they've got in place. All I know is that there is dance moves in it for some reason. <laughs> I don't get it either. I don't. I don't know enough about it. I haven't played it, and I. <laughs> you know what? Boomerang is a very good idea right now because I could probably pick it up, and then at some point I will play it on my 3ds <laughs> when I've got charge in it, if I can find the charger for it. <laughs> Fair enough. But he also says, "Ah, uh, the lovable character is Owen for his wife." We also put in brackets her name so that, you know, we don't confuse her with his other wife, <laughs> I'm assuming. Um, he, she's picked uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 10 or X. can never tell with these fucking Japanese games whether they want X or 10 or Cross or something or other. Or it's it's a swear word that they just, like, blanked out or something. That's, yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's really Xenoblade Chronicles dick. <laughs> and they can't, they can't have dick on the cover, so they put an X. Yep, that's what it is. It's a big black X instead of... Uh, a big black dick. Yep, that's what it... Uh, and it's on Wii U, apparently. So... Uh, I do know uh, the Xenoblade games. I don't think I've ever played one. I, no. And if it's on Wii U, I'll, I'll never be playing it. Cause as much as I want one for the fun factor, I don't think I'll ever pick up a Wii U. But back to what Alyssa said, which is... Uh, it's enjoyable gameplay, good visuals, very ambitious as well. Fair enough. I, I don't know how ambitious a Xenoblade game can be. No, me neither. I, fair enough. And the other one that we've got is for Firewatch. That was Brian, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he's literally just put Firewatch and then in brackets best. Yeah, he, has, uh, he recommended Firewatch to me a couple of months ago. And what was brilliant was I, then, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll go and buy it. And I went to buy it off the PlayStation Store. Turned out I already owned it. <laughs> uh, so at some <laughs> other point I'd gone, I need to buy Firewatch and bought it and then downloaded it and just haven't played it yet. I still haven't played it. God damn it, Brooks. But I do You're really so unreliable. want to play it. But, I mean, Brian assures me it's only going to take about six hours. So at some point I will sit down. I might even try and do it over Christmas. Just sit my ass down and play through it. Yeah. Because I really do want to play it and I've wanted to play it for quite some time. Just just slide Nikita in front of the drum kit and then boot up the TV and play Firewatch. Put on the noise-cancelling headphones. See, I don't even need to do that. As long as there's nothing too bad. You know, she'll, well, I say nothing too bad. She'll sit and watch it. She's sat and watching me play Doom and Mortal Kombat. She just no, doesn't I, give a fuck. I meant the noise-cancelling headphones were more for the fact that Nikita's now playing on the drums. Oh, no, I don't need that. <laughs> I do, yeah, but you need to know me. what's going on on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no Nikita... I was sitting playing uh, Assassin's Creed the other day, I was playing Syndicate, and like two or three times over the last couple of weeks, 
she's walked in and I've been playing like and like because uh, with Syndicate you can flick between characters, so you can flick between Jacob and Evie Fry. And we got to a point where I was playing and she walked in. She went, "Oh, which one's that one? It's Jacob." She went, "Oh, where's Evie then?" I was like, "Oh, fucking hell, you're paying more attention than I thought you were." <laughs> maybe I maybe I should not be jumping off of buildings and stabbing people in the face while you're around. Oh, it's um my little nephew's uh playing uh an Xbox 360 that he was he's been he's been bought because he's like uh crap I don't know how old he is I think like ten probably or something he's at like a shortish age he's like uh, just over knee height or something yeah I, I don't know how old that is. But he's he's playing well the Lego games and okay. so he he's he and those fuckers are hard. Yep. And he's like he's playing them and I'm just thinking I could never I could I could barely play fucking Sonic the Hedgehog when I was at his age. <laughs> he's playing fucking Lego games. <laughs> it's like I could barely handle moving from point A to point B, jumping occasionally, and he's doing fucking um, building giant spaceships and. <laughs> You know, moving around maps in three dimensions. Yep. You know, flying around, blowing stuff up, and knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm just like, what the? F- I can barely do that now. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that. What did I think the Nest came out over here, back end of '86? So, so when I, you were thirty. So I would have been four. I would have been. I think yeah. My mum got one, or we got one as a family. We got one when they came out. I would have been playing that from four or five years old. Absolutely. I probably wasn't very good. I still have that same nest up in the attic as well. And you're still not very good. No, I'm still not very good, no. And I'd still rather hunt out a fucking completely out of stock, rare as rocking all shit NES classic than I would to get that bad boy out and try and make it work on my new TV. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was that it for the Twitter stuff? Yeah, I think that's it, because Brian then never mentioned what his worst was. He just said, Firewatch best, and then that's it. Yeah, I, that's I, it. Doesn't I'm care not sure how, I think at the moment Brian's playing Dishonored. and There, there we go, Dishonored, worst. Problem uh, solved. And he's an Assassin's Creed man. Yeah, Dishonored, worst. <laughs> uh, worst so game we, of all time. So, so Owen very kindly shared one of our Facebook posts, and, obviously, and we got a lot of... Uh, responses from people that have never responded to us before which is very nice and we always like new people to get involved so we've had Elliot Beverly who said XCOM 2 I don't know if that's his best or his worst I'm assuming it's his best because XCOM generally is a, a good franchise or a great franchise I think that's an excellent shout to be fair I've not played XCOM 2 because I don't want to play it on console I want to play it on PC because that's where XCOM should be played but I can't I've, never, I've not heard a single bad word said about XCOM 2. And if it's half as good as XCOM 1, it'll be excellent. So, yeah, outstanding. So, Niall Hughes. So, take a wild guess and assume he's related to, to Owen. So, brother, dad, cousin, weird uncle. I don't know. So wait, wait. A, what's that What's that line from that film? Something. Um, I'm your brother's father's cousin's former roommate. There we go. Something like that. From Spaceballs. I'm almost certain I've got that wrong. And what's better about that is that if I have got it wrong and I leave it in the final edit, someone will, someone Matt Lamborn will correct me because I'm pretty sure he's a big Spaceballs fan. I'm okay with that. Uh, but yeah, Niall said uh, Overwatch, 
which you know neither of us mentioned, but would definitely you know if if we had you know two or three hours to roll out you know a top ten, Overwatch would definitely be in there for me. Doom, which I've mentioned, World of Warcraft Legion. I don't know. I guess World of Warcraft had a new expansion this year. I had no idea. And Dark Souls Three, which I think as we've we've pointed out a couple of times, neither of us are man enough for Dark Souls. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you're, you're very right about that. Uh, Matt Lamborn just says Doom all the time. Doom, which it, I mean, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. I know Matt's a big retro gamer, and it does it. It evokes that retro feel, especially like I said earlier, like the Dooms and Quakes and Wolfenstein's of this world. It it's amazing, and yeah, Dooms a fantastic shout. And I don't know what this is. Harry Thompson has said Stardew Valley. I don't know what that is. Oh, um, that one of the, one of the awards at the uh, Golden Joysticks, I think. Okay, well, I, I is it for a mobile game or? It's a PS4 game, I think. Stardew Valley, let's have a look. Uh, it's a Steam game. <clears throat> oh, okay. Looks, looks like Farmville. I was going to go with the um, Harvest Moon, but sure, Farmville. <laughs> but I think that's it. I think that's all of our all of our uh, mentions from other people. So I think we'll quickly then... Uh, what game are you looking forward to the most next year then, mate? Well... I'm going to go, you know, completely left field. I'm going to say a game that no one's expecting me to say right now for my, my the game that I'm most looking forward to next year. And I'm going to say... Skyrim. Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I absolutely saw that one coming. Yep. When's that? Is that March? March, April yep. time? March, April time next year. It's going to cool. be great. I'm going to love it. I'm going to grow a really long beard because I'm not going to and see no sunlight for like a month. <laughs> so just sit around in your own feces. Yep. Flying Mass Effect. Screw toilet breaks. Don't need those. Just do it on the toilet. Yeah, just move off. the TV. Get a VR. And <laughs> um, one that will... Because what was it? The Oculus Rift? Yep. I think the Oculus Rift now connects to the Xbox. Yes. So, there we go. Yeah. I'll rift up, sit on the can. Sounds good play. to me. There's no way to do it. Is it, I mean, there are loads of games I fancy playing next year. And, you know, I, to narrow it down to just one to mention is tough, but I think I would have to go with... Mass Effect. Mass and no. <laughs> uh, pretty, well, to be fair, pretty much the game that is the reason I still have my PS4, and that's Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm very much looking forward to that, and that comes out in February. So, so the games we're most looking forward to are coming out in Q1. Yeah, pretty much. So but, the rest you know, of the year is just a bust. We're six months away from E3, and E3 would always bring up something. Yeah. Well, Maybe a new Assassin's Creed game next year. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty coming out next year. But for me, probably Horizon. Yeah, Followed very, yeah. Followed very closely by uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Plenty to look forward to in uh, 2017. Which leaves us, I think, maybe with just a... Uh, just recommendations. Have you got a recommendation for, for our listeners for over Christmas? I have a recommendation. Uh, my assumption is it's going to be the same recommendation as what you've got. No, maybe not. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, so you've managed to find something else because at this point in time I really couldn't care a shit about any other game that's that's free at the moment. And so I'm going to go with the obvious, which is that Burnout Paradise is gone games with gold. Yep. Yeah. See, I do have... 
an alternative, and it's only because it's me, and me is me, and me loves horror. Outlast is also free on Games of Gold at the moment, and it's an excellent little horror movie. Horror movie? Excellent little yep. horror game. That's how tired you are. You're thinking of films already. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I think we're just going to leave it with... There are a couple of things, a couple of bits I want to say, and obviously because it's our last podcast of the year, and it's been very, very cool, and there are a couple of people that I want to put shout-outs to. There's, you know, most importantly to you, my good buddy, Mr. Miller, who agreed to do this with me. Yeah, really shot myself in the foot with that one. You really did. Now you're fucking stuck with me. Uh, That's fine. To, you know, Owen, who very graciously (laughs) gives us his feed once every couple of weeks to put our bullshit on. And, you know... I can't believe he's not regretting that decision. He probably is. He's just too polite to say. Yeah, he does seem like the sort of person who's (laughs) far too nice to... He's like the sort of person that you, you borrow the lawnmower from and then he goes and buys another one. Yeah. Instead of asking for it back. But there's, you know, everybody that listens to us, you know, we get loads of, you know, we get a lot of feedback. We get a lot of, you know, people who respond to us on social media and they're all very cool. It's so cool that people listen to us. You know, Matt Lamborn especially has been instrumental in getting us known, really. Yeah. Because, you know, every time we do a new episode, every time we have something to say, he shares it. And, you know, it's it's such a cool community to be a part of the the video gaming community the same coin the same coin podcast if you don't listen to those guys go and listen to them they're fucking awesome uh stabby chris from who hosts the same same coin podcast he mentions us every week i don't know if he's actually listening to us i'm pretty sure he's just kind of saving us all up until he's caught up with another backlog but yeah he always mentions us he always always gives us a shout out so you know thank you very much chris it's really really appreciated and that's us done for the year, I think, mate. Yeah, we, I think so. We will be back the first week of January with hopefully... An Assassin's Creed special. An Assassin's Creed special, which is almost certainly going to roll on as long as our Call of Duty one, uh, because we will be bringing on, hopefully bringing back Tony Black and hopefully having on uh, Assassin's Creed superfan... Brian Plank, who's a fellow failed critic. But until then, it's we need to get off, and it's Christmas, and fucking hell. Where can, until, until the new year, mate, where can people find you? As always, you can find me on Twitter as the John underscore CU, and on Xbox Live, I'm Long Dong Silver. Cool. Uh, I am on Twitter at I am at Brooker411. Uh, I'm on PSN at, and Xbox Live at Troublemaker411. You can find me writing and and podcasting over at Foul Critics. Please don't forget to sneak on over to their site and vote in the Foul Critics Film Awards for this year. And if you can't be bothered to find us any of those places, we will be back in the new year. Thank you very much for listening. Character Unlock was presented by Andrew Brooker and John Miller, with music provided with permission from Miracle of Sound from the track A Dog's Life. Character Unlock is recorded for failed critics and is a part of the failed media network of podcasts, along with Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights and the Failed Critics Film Podcast. And you can check us out at failedcritics.com or find us on Twitter at Character Unlock. Thanks for listening.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.